welcome to The Jack Brunswick Show. For more valuable knowledge, stories, and insights, check out jackbrunswickwordpress.com, jackbrunswick13 on Instagram and Twitter, or listen to the other podcasts on The Jack Brunswick Show. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today, we're going to be talking about my 52 book challenge that I started my freshman year of college as part of my 2019 New Year's resolution. So what prompted me to do this is I was at school for winter break because the basketball team always comes back a bit early and didn't really have much to do. We were all stuck on campus. We had practices every day because we had a tournament coming up and New Year's was coming up too. So I was like, hmm, what am I going to do? The basketball players got a 10-day winter break, and then we had to come back December 26th after Christmas, which was really hard, but you got to do what you got to do for college sports. And so that's kind of what got me started. Stuck at school, not a lot to do. It's winter, so I got after it. The rules at the Coast Guard Academy are a bit strict for the freshman or the fourth class. There's a lot of rules about keeping your door open, not playing video games, not being able to go out on certain days, things like that. That helped me carry out the challenge for the rest of the year. Another aspect of this whole challenge was I was bored with my core classes and I wanted to take my education more into my own hands. That's how the freshman courses go, regardless of where you go to college. You are basically retaking all those classes you took in high school just to make sure you're up to speed and everyone's on a level playing field. So I really wasn't being stimulated with school as a freshman. Books I've always seen as a way of learning new things, especially things that I can apply to my life. And I've always had a love for books. This is a little side story, but I think it's funny. So when I was little, I don't know if you've ever done this or if your library holds these, but they're the summer reading challenges where at mine there was a map and it was basically a treasure map. And each time you read a book, your parents and the librarian would sign off whatever book you read. You'd have to check it out from the library. There were no rules on how long the book had to be or if you could reread books. I was in elementary school and I had a decent reading level for whatever my age was. You could probably compare it to the Junie B. Jones or magic treehouse level of reading. So I I should have been reading reading books at that level, but I thought I could finesse the system or the challenge by digging into my old kids' books and finding the shortest ones possible. And there's this one book that, I kid you not, I reread it 28 times so I could get to the end prize of the baseball tickets or whatever they were offering or just get unlimited picks out of the, the treasure chest. And I read this book, it's called Z, and it's part of the alphabet series of books And since Z is a hard letter for little kids, the book is only three pages. And I can read you the whole book right now. It's Z, Z, Zip, Zap, Zoom, Z, 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 and then a few other Z's and Zooms and Zaps. And then it's over. And I just thought I was so smart for doing that. And of course, I got in trouble for trying to beat the game or the the library book challenge. So that brings me to the point of, are you reading for actually learning and for your self-development or getting some sort of fulfillment from reading? Or are you reading just for, for speed or volume, just to check off boxes? Yeah, I read 10 books, but what did you actually gain from it? And so I wanted to approach this challenge with, if I'm gonna be reading all these books, I wanna get as much as I can out of it. Something I wanted to do during my 52 book challenge was to be present in what I was learning and reading and remember it and use it for my life. I wanted to get as much as I could out of this challenge of reading a book per week. 
and I wanted to learn about life-related things because I was interested in psychology, investing, leadership, business, philosophy, business management, travel, self-development, anything that I could apply to my life and get basically the most bang for my buck. Is it bank for my buck or bang for my buck? Either way. That's one of my pet peeves is being in school and learning about things that I'll never use in my life ever again, or if I do on a very rare occasion. I will never use advanced calculus or chemistry ever again, yet I spent years learning about all these math theories and chemistry and whatever. I understand that school does help you shape your brain and the way you think, and you might not use it all the time, but I was kind of sick of that being an excuse for me sitting in on these classes that I had no interest in. So most of my books were nonfiction. I prefer that over fiction because I see fiction as entertainment and I would much rather play video games or work out or hang out with friends, whatever, watch movies. Those types of things stimulate me much more than a fiction book does. And again, it depends on what your purpose for reading is. I wanted my reading experience of 52 books to help me grow as a person and learn useful skills and concepts that I'll use for the rest of my life. Whereas fiction, I see as a source of entertainment. Some people might learn from fiction and might see fiction reading as a source of education or self-growth, but I don't. It just depends what you want to get out of reading. But I chose mostly nonfiction books just because that's what I get more fulfillment from. So there are two different categories or buckets that you could put all the things I learned in. So the first bucket includes these are the theories and ideas that you can write down and they come in the form of facts or theories or whatever it may be. And you can easily share them with other people by Googling them or reading a book summary or just talking about it. But then the other bucket are things you can't share with your friends just by talking about it. And these are the personal skills that I developed through the reading process. And you can't share that. You can't, you can't lift weights for someone else. You can't read for someone else. And so all the reps I did of the hours and hours of reading changed me and changed my life for the better. This is just a brief list of some of the skills that I developed and learned. So I'd improved focus, a better attention span, more patience, better memory, a faster reading speed, selective attention, higher intelligence, and better communication skills. With selective attention, a lot of people see that as a bad thing, but the way I'm describing it is you're able to pick out the gems or the important stuff out of the weeds. So if you read an, a 200-page book, you're able to pick out all the best ideas and take those home with you from that book, whereas all the useless stuff or the things that you already understand are left behind. And that's a skill that a lot of people don't have. It improves your efficiency and your speed of learning, and it feeds back into all those other benefits such as focus, patience, memory that I was talking about earlier. A unique benefit out of the list was the communication skills because I was learning about a lot of things that most people don't understand themselves, which you can put that under intelligence, which I did feel much more intelligent after reading. I ended up reading 54 books total, but you would think that if I'm learning all these things that no one else understands, that learning these different things would put a barrier between me and other people trying to socialize with normal people. And I'm not trying to say I'm some superhero or some super brainiac. You would think that learning things that other people don't understand would hinder you in conversation, when in fact I found it helped me have something interesting or valuable to say, no matter what the topic of conversation was about. I felt much more focused. I could sit down and read a book or do homework 
or shoot hoops or work out, whatever I needed to do, I was able to get in that flow state much more easily because reading a book and getting through a book per week takes discipline. So you learn to focus in non-ideal reading environments if people are being loud or there's a lot going on around you. So that helped a lot. My attention span grew because there's a lot of books that were really slow and even though they were slow doesn't mean they're not valuable. And I was forced to, again, be more disciplined and read for longer and ultimately be more patient with others. That's the that's the next one. A lot of these benefits are intangible, so it's hard for me to properly explain or prove that they happened, but they're there. It's hard to prove that my memory has gotten better or that, or that I'm more of a patient person, that my attention span has grew, my focus. The challenge was definitely worth it. The benefits and growth were there. And most people would think that the time it took to read all these books, a book per week, and I wasn't reading baby books like I was talking about earlier. There were no zzzz. I was reading books that were at least 200 pages, probably an average page length of 250 to 300. And some books were much longer. But the time it took wasn't that difficult. So I would read for maybe an hour or two per day. And obviously, as the challenge went on, I got faster with my reading speed. And that's something my roommate he was interested in it, so he wanted to test mine as well as his. So we got on one of those speed reading websites, and we both picked random articles to read and answer questions about. My reading speed has risen to about 500 words per minute, whereas his was around 250 or 300. So mine nearly doubled, and this is my roommate, Paul. He's a, he's a very sharp guy. His GPA is higher than mine. He's in a harder major than me. He's a marine environmental science major where I'm business management. And he's a beast academically. So this kind of goes to show that reading a lot, you're going to get better at reading, just like anything else. Practice makes perfect. And so that helped me speed through books faster without missing the gems and valuable information that they had to provide. So the time wasn't that big of a deal. My strategy for getting these one to two hours per day in to keep up with one book per week were to read in awkward times. So just Stop for a moment and think about your daily routine or schedule. It might be a little bit different if you're in quarantine or college or, or wherever you are in life, but there are so many awkward little downtimes that you could be using to your advantage. One of the biggest things that people don't do is do more with their energy and their time. There's a really great basketball YouTube series that I watched. It's called 10,000 Hours. And what the trainer says to his players is, why are you saving your energy? And they're training in the summer for the fall season. And that made me realize in most cases, we trick ourselves into saving energy for things we don't need to. Unless you have a huge marathon tomorrow or a giant basketball game tomorrow night, there is no reason for you to be saving your energy for tomorrow. Because all that energy that we saved, we could have used today to work harder or get better at something so that tomorrow is easier and it just becomes an endless cycle of getting better and future days getting easier. That whole idea of trying to save your energy for tomorrow makes no sense if you're trying to get better at something. I think there are ways that most of us can be more efficient and more effective with our time and ultimately do more with each of our days. So what I do is I read in the awkward downtime. So then just think about your schedule, whatever you're doing right now or what you usually do. And just think about your day-to-day -day activities and your rituals. And for me, I go to the Coast Guard Academy and we have a lot of rules about you can't 
play video games or watch Netflix or videos during the workday, which is from when you wake up at 6 to 4 in the afternoon. And your door needs to be open and you've got to look busy. And so if you've done your homework or you know you're not going to do your homework, you need to find something to do that's productive. There are a lot of times where I'd come back from a military training or a class and there'd be 20 minutes until my next class or 20 minutes until lunch. And so instead of sitting there twiddling my thumbs, I would take 20 minutes to read. And you do that twice a day, you're already at 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Do it three times a day, you're at an hour. And then the icing on the cake was right before bed, I would set my alarm for the next morning and set it far away from the bed so I wouldn't check it or get distracted by it. And then I would read for at least 30 minutes because that's the rule of keeping the the white light from messing up your eyes and your sleep routine is to go at least 30 to 45 minutes before bed without doing that by not looking at a screen. So not only was I reading, I was also getting better sleep. And I would basically just read until I knew I was going to fall asleep. That's adding up the two to three awkward downtimes in your day that are too short to really start a new project or do something big, but also enough time to do something with it. In a 20 minute break in your day, you're not going to all of a sudden have the energy or motivation to start a big project or something like that because we also have switching costs which a lot of people don't acknowledge every time you switch from doing activity a to activity b there is a certain amount of your mental bandwidth that is being used up a big misconception is that we're multitaskers we can do two things at once and the studies show that we can't so in these awkward little 20 to 30 minute time periods it would be less efficient to start a big project because you're going to start it, you're going to leave it, and then you're going to have to pick it up again. And that's a lot of time. That can be anywhere between two minutes to 90 minutes before you can fully focus and get at that same state of flow that you were before. And this isn't saying, oh, do your whole research paper in one night, but you need to give yourself the time to get into a flow state and a rhythm. I find reading to be less of a big project, but as a lot of little pieces of information that you can absorb. And you don't necessarily need that same flow state to read or to gain information from whatever text you're reading. So there's two things I learned. One is that it didn't take as much time as I thought it would to read 52 books. And two was reading is a great habit to fall back on. So if you don't feel motivated to do the work you're supposed to be doing, your primary project or assignment, whatever it may be, if you're a student or at work, then most of us fall immediately down the pit to Facebook or YouTube or whatever, something very unproductive, not self-serving, and ultimately just wasting time. But if you have this challenge of reading a book per week, then instead of falling all the way down from your primary work, you're now only falling a few rungs down the ladder to self-development and learning by reading a book. And I think that being busy or in a time crunch actually made it easier to read more. I think that goes to prove that those time crunches and being busy actually helps you be more productive. The easiest portion of the challenge was during when I was at school. So I was taking 18 credit hours playing Division Three basketball with two to three hour practices a day, two games per week, including road games. I was spending an average of four hours in the basketball gym or on the road for basketball. And that's exactly when I started the challenge. And that was the easiest portion of the challenge because I had that structure and that routine, and that pays tribute to the power of routine and being efficient and being on a time crunch can ultimately help you
be more productive. So if I can do it at a service academy with all that going on, and not to mention my freshman year, I jumped from basketball straight into track. So two weeks after basketball season ended, I was racing in track meets. So that goes to say, if I can do it, anyone can do it. So that covers the time limitation that people will say, oh, I can't do it. It'll take too much time to read a book per week. You can do it. And something that inspired me to do it is everything I was reading online about CEOs and successful famous people is they read many books a year. CEOs, they like to brag about reading 52 books a year, which is exactly what I did. So that's kind of what helped motivate me. But the, the second portion of people making excuses about not doing a book per week is money. Oh, books are too expensive, blah, blah, blah. Got to order them on Amazon or Barnes and Noble so expensive. I spent no more than $50 total on this book challenge. And I could have spent zero. And that's because you can get most of your books from the library for free. Library cards are free. Huge selection of books. I will say that libraries won't always have copies of the best books or specific things that you really, really want. But I found that as a great way to branch out and read different things that I otherwise wouldn't. Because otherwise, I would have just ordered books on Amazon that were interesting to me. It would have become a self-confirmation bias or a self-serving bias of this is what I believe and I'm going to read about it. And it got to a point where I've been obsessed with leadership ever since I wanted to go to a service academy. And so, of course, during this book challenge, a lot of the books they have at a service academy is about leadership because that's what this ultimately is. It's a 200-week leadership program. So I was reading lots of leadership books and I got to a point where the books began to get really repetitive And there's a great book called Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. He has very amazing ideas and concepts and theories in his book. But by the time I got to it, there was nothing left for me to pick because everything he was talking about, I had already heard in the other five or six leadership books that I had read. And I think that's why the library is so important because you're going to be forced to read weird topics. Like I read a book about Bitcoin, which I could not care less about Bitcoin, but I read a book about Bitcoin. I know a lot more about it than the average person because I went to the library as a primary source for my books. Amazon is also great for getting books that are new or that the library might not have, but just keep in mind that if you are only limiting the books you read to your searches, your personal preferences and the cookies on your computer suggesting certain books based on your previous readings, your level of knowledge is going to be very narrow. And I love the the idea, it could be a quote, but it's the idea of you have to read different to think different. Another thing about the book challenge is I got to a point where, kind of like the Leaders Eat Last deal, where the books and their ideas became repetitive and I wanted to dig deeper. So I would spend time looking things up on Google Scholar or on psychology.com, whatever it may be, just to get a deeper inside scoop on what was going on. Another great way to find books without that self-serving bias or self-confirmation bias was to ask my friends for their book recommendations or literally pop into their room because at the Coast Guard Academy, we all live on base regardless from freshmen to seniors. So I'd pop into my friend's room and either ask them for book recommendations or just look right at their bookshelf because most people don't have this comfort. But the way our rooms are set up at the service academies are identical to each other. So my bookshelf is going to be at the top left corner of my desk from tallest book to shortest book. And so is every other cadet at the Coast Guard Academy. 
So it was very easy to pop into people's rooms and just take a glance at the top left shelf and see what books I liked and be like, hey, is that a good book? You mind if I read it? And it's also a great way to get closer to someone, build a relationship, because when's the last time you borrowed a book from someone or talked about a book with someone else? So it's kind of a rare connection and relationship builder that I thought was fun. Plus it spices up what you're reading and you also get to learn about people. I don't think I'm going to do the challenge again this year. I've already fallen extremely behind pace. I think part of it is I had a shift from absorbing knowledge and learning from now using that to do and create. Right now I'm trying to write a book about travel, start this podcast, and also work on my blog. There's such a need for balancing doing versus thinking or absorbing and learning versus applying that to your own life. And that's kind of how I shifted as I, as a freshman, just wanted to learn as much as I could and soak it all in. And now I'm at that point where I feel like I've learned a lot and now I want to apply it to my life and live it out. And that's a fine balance that a lot of people will benefit from balancing. I did have a few regrets with the challenge. None of them were specifically about the 52 books, but they were the way I went about the challenge. So the first one was, I regret not taking notes on my books sooner. In the beginning, what I would do is read without taking notes. And I never fully understood the difference between my short-term memory and my long-term memory. So what would happen is I would read a book and during the, the week of me reading the book, I'll be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That's that's really important. I'll remember it. And then two weeks later, my friends would be like, oh, what have you been up to? And I'd be like, oh, I was reading Leaders Eat Last or whatever whatever book it is. And they'd be like, oh, like, what'd you learn about it? I know you've been reading a book per week. How's that going? And I'd begin to talk about the challenge and stuff. And then I would attempt to retrieve the information and the facts and theories from whatever book I was reading. And I couldn't do it because I'd forgot most of it. And I got almost a third way through the challenge before I realized I should probably be taking notes on these books because the primary source of me reading all these books is for learning and self-development. And so that's what I started is I took a random spiral notebook that was blank and I would just write anything that I thought I would use or thought was important. And that also helped me measure and I would even use my notes on my phone to do it as well. If I were reading on the bus to a basketball game or a track meet and there was a very important idea that I wanted to remember, I would pause, take my phone out, write it in my notes, save it, and then get back to reading. A lot of people are much more organized with their notes, but I would just leave one or two blank pages for the book title. And then if I filled in those two pages of notes, great. If not, oh well. But people who want to be more organized, there's a lot of successful people that use commonplace notebooks and there's apps for it there's different websites and programs but a commonplace notebook is essentially a notebook where you can put anything in and i would compare it to evernote where you can just include unlimited folders and unlimited subsections and have everything really nice and neat so some people do that but i just went the simple way and used pen and paper Taking notes leads to the second regret I had. So taking notes would let me visually see how much valuable information I was recording down from the book. So I might finish a book and feel really good about reading it, but then look at my notes and have half a page of 
ideas that I wanted to save from that book. It puts into context, wow, I just spent four hours this week reading that book and this is what I got out of it. So taking notes keeps you from falling into that trap of, wow, this is a very entertaining and enjoyable book, but then not really getting much from it. I wish I quit books earlier. So now there's a difference between a difficult book versus a bad book. So a difficult book might be one of those books that is a painful read and it takes forever, but when you're done with it, you've got four or five pages of ideas and gems from that book that, you, that you're going to apply to your life. And then a bad book is one of those books that it might suck, it might not suck, but at the end of the day, your notes aren't getting filled and you're not learning anything from it, at least from my perspective, because that's what I wanted from my book challenges to get self-development and improvement and ideas that I can apply to my life. And so taking notes helped clarify that. And then towards the end of the challenge, I found a rule to follow because I was interested in, you know, how do I know when to stop reading a book? So I, I looked it up and there's a rule. So you take 100 minus your age and you divide all of that by two. So when I did this challenge, I was 20 years old. So do 100 minus 20 equals 80 divided by two is 40. So that means at the 40 page mark, if I don't like a book or don't see it getting any better, then to stop reading. And as you get older, your time spent on reading bad books or books of no value decreases. So if you're 80 years old and you're reading a bad book, you're going to quit it after 10 pages. That is something that readers need to distinguish is, is this a bad book or a difficult book? And even if it is a bad book, I recommend reading the first chapter and the last chapter before you put it down for good. Because the way I, I saw most of my books perform was the first couple chapters or the first quarter of the book were very strong. And they give you a very good idea as to how the rest of it is going to go. And then the book will see a huge drop off in quality in the middle half or the middle two thirds of the book. So if the first 20 to 30 pages aren't doing so well, then it's not likely that the middle portion of the book is going to do better. And that's just the trend that I saw. It could vary on book, but from me reading 54 books last year, that was the way I saw most of the books turning out. And then the last chapter usually comes back up in quality and peaks at the very end. So that's why I recommend reading. So that's why I recommend reading the first and last chapters, regardless of if you're going to drop the book or not. Overall, I'm glad I did the book challenge. I'm glad that I learned a lot and that I took notes and, and saw a lot of the improvements that I wanted to see. The work that was put in didn't really feel like work. I had a lot of fun learning and taking time to read and all the benefits that came with that that were described earlier. I wanted to go more in depth with the specific theories and ideas and facts that shaped my benefits as well as my takeaways and how it positively impacted my life. But there's just so much to talk about. So what I want to do is do future book summaries of all the books that I read, or at least the top 10. So what I'm going to do is rank them, and I'll, I'll post a list of the rankings. And these next podcasts or posts, wherever I put them, will be those tangible ideas that you can share with others and see benefits from. I can't tell you, oh, reading a book per week really made me a more patient guy. And then that won't soak into you. But me telling you the key ideas from extreme ownership or the power of habit will. These little summaries and reviews that I'll post and provide are 
just a quick review of all the key ideas and stuff, but you're not going to see those benefits of better memory, faster reading speed, being a more focused person and all that. Like that comes with the process, but the facts and the ideas and theories will. And with a closing remark, I want to say that books are one of the richest teachers that we can learn from. An author puts their their deepest thoughts and their best quality of conversation in a book. A book is such a high concentration of quality information because it's all the junk is edited out, all the good stuff is left in. Not just any ordinary person can publish a book. Someone who publishes a book has something important to say and they're passionate about it, and they also need to sell it, so it needs to affect other people as well in a positive way. And that's why I think books are a great teacher and tool to learning and self-development. And people who write books, they they preach what they practice. Whereas if you're in school, that might not be the case. And also there's not that filter of the editing process and the writing process where teachers can talk 100% on the fly if they wanted to. So just keep that in mind when you're learning from someone, either a mentor or a teacher or a friend. Are they practicing what they're preaching? And is there a better way that you could receive that information in a richer context, such as a book or a video, whatever it might be that you think you learn the most from. So yeah, I challenge you to read a book per week and see if you could do it. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Thanks for watching and catch you next time. Take a minute to check out another episode of The Jack Brunswick Show and be the first to know when the newest one drops by joining the email list in the Jack Brunswick bio. That's good.